0: Welcome to Upthinking Finance, a podcast that offers a unique and discerning view of economics and financial planning. Here is your host, Emerson Fersh.
1: Welcome back to another edition of Upthinking Finance. I'm Emerson Fersh. Joseph Campbell once said, If you're falling, dive. For those of you who've been listening to Upthinking Finance since we started in April of 2022, you know that I've interviewed a number of people who've left companies and career paths in order to start their own business. And the reasons for this vary. For some, it's just was a desire to try something completely different. For others, it was uh, not only the motivation to run their own business, but to escape the pressures of corporate culture and a corporate philosophical agenda that just didn't align with their own personal beliefs. But I think a common theme for all was the need to preserve personal integrity. I know for me, as I've shared in the past, working for a bank as a financial advisor, I lasted about two and a half years before it was clear to me that I needed to be able to to work on my own in order to really provide the best service for my clients. Today's guest, however, managed to build a successful career and preserve her personal integrity working in an industry that's very high pressure that I think most would succumb to the demands of political correctness, of uh, seeking upward mobility at all costs, the prestige of working for a big firm, and it I guess in base needs just simply to preserve a career. Her name is Darcy Fersh. Her names may sound familiar. She's my wife. And for those of you who are watching YouTube, she's right there on the picture behind me. Now, Darcy grew up on the Olympic Peninsula of Washington State and learned the importance of family and close friends who they themselves understood the importance of tenacious community support that included both the earth and all creatures on it. She learned the importance of critical thought from deep debates with her father, often centered around current events and politics. And she received an appreciation for people, particularly the indigenous tribes of the Northwest, from her mother, who has deep ancestral roots in Hawaiian culture. Her college years were completed with a BS in Administration of Justice and an MA in Consciousness Studies. After college, she was drawn to the legal industry, where she began by working for two different federal agencies and then ultimately moved on to big law, working in administrative positions for operational departments. Most of her years in the legal industry were spent working for a well-respected law firm based in New York, and she built her career in both the San Francisco and Los Angeles offices of this firm. It was in this environment where Darcy was challenged and pushed not to defy her integrity, but to trust it, take risks no one else was willing to take, and create unique domains of support that enabled attorneys to provide their best legal work for their clients. She worked in an office setting where everyone worked together as a team in a circle of honor to go above and beyond the expectations of the clients. When our son Ethan turned 10 years old, he's 18 now, she made the decision to leave the industry and place her focus on him. And it's important for me to note that at the time she left, It was her choice, but she was at the peak of her career in a number of regards, uh, certainly earning power, respect in the industry, and the um, responsibility she held at the firm. She left at the top of her game, and there were a number of people that questioned that decision. She continues to research, write, and has self-published three children's books. So it's my pleasure today to welcome today's guest, Darcy Fersh. Welcome, Darcy. Thank you. So I wanted to start off with the idea of, because from our discussions we've had in the past, it wasn't as if you just stumbled into this career path and and into this career that you built for yourself. There was some intention that started really with your decision as to the degree you were going to pursue, and maybe we could start there and just kind of work your way through your career.
2: Okay. Well, I had quite a few interests like most kids when they're young, but one that I was drawn to always was politics and the judicial system and law. And a lot of that came from a teacher that I had in middle school, a journalism teacher who got me interested in the campaign of that year, and and then also my father, who I had a lot of debates with on current affairs and politics and things like that. I was also in um, a youth legislature program in the state of Washington where I participated in creating bills and debating them and ultimately getting mine passed and signed, and so When I went to college, originally I was interested in the legal system and being an attorney, but I ended up going more the administrative route rather than becoming an asset within the field, supporting the assets of the field, so to speak. So uh, in my undergrad, I went and pursued an administration of justice degree.
1: And that was intentional because you had considered becoming an attorney.
2: I did. And I made the decision to go more of the administrative management route, the business side of the legal field rather than attorneys are the assets. So rather than going the asset side, I went more of the uh, support.
1: And why was that?
2: I did that for a variety of reasons. I had other desires for my life, for my future life. One of them included family and other pursuits and I felt that going in the direction that I did, I'd have more options to work in different ways to be able to pursue other interests of mine in life. Whereas going more just the attorney route, I felt like it would lock me in a little too much in one area. And, you know, I worked with a lot of attorneys and you do get locked in, at least in the types of uh, firms that I worked in.
1: I don't think most people that are in there early 20s really think that far ahead i mean i could be wrong but it seems like my impression is is people just sort of have this idea they go to college they get a degree and then you know they sort of just go with the flow rather than what it sounds to me like they're you know a conscious decision to pursue this direction and not pursue that beyond just you know how much income potential there is and things like that well
2: yeah i mean i'm all about adaptive planning and I like putting myself and I like having goals and you work towards them. But I also like to be in a position where I can adapt to other types of interests, other types of adventures, other types of um, opportunities. And so I just like living in a, in a way where I can shift gears if I want to. Yeah. And no, great. the route that I pursued enabled me to do that. I did a lot of great things, had a lot of fun, did a lot of interesting things. And so.
1: Okay. So you get your degree, and then you start getting opportunities to work. And I know you've explained before, you had a lot of different choices, and there were paths you chose and paths you avoided, and some that on the surface may have looked like they were really good opportunities. Maybe go through some of that, because I think that's really interesting for people.
2: Well, out of school, I I started out in, in a bank work, and then from there... Switch gears. I developed enough of an expertise to where I could go into a federal court. And um, I chose a federal court because federal law is pretty consistent across the United States. And so it gave me an expertise and enabled me to be marketable across the country. And I went into the federal system. Then I went into the law. Then I went back into the federal system, worked for the FDIC. Then I went into big law. And a lot of that had to do with people I worked with pulling me in. It was all through networking. They were all really great opportunities. And it was really interesting. And one of the things I was doing was acquiring some expertise that I could continue to market and build, if that makes sense.
1: Sure. So there were firms that you interviewed with, or maybe even I think if I remember I worked for that eventually you ended up leaving for Different reasons, and some that look like great opportunities that you chose to avoid. Maybe explain some of that process.
2: I didn't choose work opportunities simply by looked like a good idea or looked like a really good path, as far as as just as far as financial. I mean, for instance, I moved from Salt Lake to San Francisco. I interviewed with a, a number of different firms in San Francisco. The one I chose was the one that responded to me the quickest interviewed me in a more casual manner. I liked their approach. I mean, for me, it was really about where I felt I fit, where I felt I was going to be in a position where I could use my strengths to help the firm. And how I was interviewed, who responded the quickest was how I made my decision.
1: So why'd you leave Salt Lake?
2: I had friends in California who were encouraging me to move. And I started looking around just for interest just for out of curiosity and I just realized that I could have stayed in Salt Lake and it would have been I had a really good opportunity there I knew a lot of people I had a place there and it would have been a really easy decision to just stay there I decided that it was time for me to move maybe because I was a little too comfortable and I wanted to challenge myself I had an interest in getting back to the coast I had friends there it just it felt like it was time for an adventure. And it felt like it was time to get a little uncomfortable. And so I decided to get uncomfortable.
1: So you mentioned before, and maybe this would be a good point to elaborate on, is knowing the kind of environment, having enough self-awareness to know the kind of environment that you would be successful in.
2: Yeah. There's a variety of experiences that I had that have helped me with that. But for instance, I started out in San Francisco. I worked for a New York-based law firm, a big global law firm. And I was recruited. I had been there for about 3 years. It was a smaller office of this global firm and I had the opportunity I was being recruited by another large firm that was based in California to run some larger departments. And so I thought, well, that might be might be a good thing to look into. I ended up going there and it was a really good opportunity for me and I learned a lot of things. However, that particular firm This is going to sound a little odd, but I stood out too much in that firm. I was doing things that other people weren't, and I don't like standing out. I like being part of a circle of trust. I like being part of a team that really works to uh, provide the best support, the best of yourself that you can give. This particular environment, I stood out too much, and there was one particular moment where it was a... First sunny San Francisco weekend. I went sailing with a group of friends, and I came back early that evening. And the I, the plan was to shower, change, and then we were all going to meet up again for dinner and an evening out. But when I got to my place, I had messages left for me from trial attorney, who were desperately looking for thirty paralegals to help them. Um, in a trial that they were in the middle of, and they had to shift gears real quickly that weekend. So they needed a lot of support. So I got the call and I thought, well, okay, I'll put all the calls out. And I did that. And then I thought, well, I'll go to dinner and I'll cut my evening short. By the time I get home, I figured I'd have uh, people starting to call in. So I did that by about two in the morning, I had everything set for the attorneys for the next day. And they never told me what time they needed them. They never told me where. They didn't even tell me how long they needed them for the weekend. So I just kind of made those decisions myself. And then <clears throat> left them a message and said, you'll find your 30 people waiting for you at 9 o'clock in conference room such and such. And if there's anything else you need, let me know. He called me back in the morning. It was dumbfounded that I was actually able to accomplish that for, him, for them. They, he gave me 10 different reasons that I could have used to have just blown it off. And it scared me when I got that call because I don't want to be in an environment where you want understanding and you want fairness, but at the same time, I want people to expect me to give the best that I can give. And there's no way I would have not accomplished that for them. And I didn't want to be in an environment where I could lose my edge, if that makes sense. I need to be in an environment where I'm working with People who are driving to not just meet deadlines, but to beat deadlines. I like working in environments where we're trying to do things that no one else can do. And the New York-based firm that I had been working in before was all about that. And um, what they provided was a support that was on a level that was creative. And it was pushed me to really give all that I could give and Whether it's physically, creatively, intellectually, I like being in those kinds of environments. uh, It's where I thrive. And so in that particular experience, that was a moment where I thought, yeah, I'm going to need to probably move out of this and learn it. I didn't want to get that comfortable.
1: It seems like there's probably two kind of people, generally speaking, some that would like standing out and, you know, being able to stand out when probably not doing their best, just because, you know, big fish, small pond. And then as I think the other ones would be the ones that rather than stay or try to navigate in an industry, I think a lot of times those are the people that just would leave and start their own, hang up their own shingle and not feel like there was a way to, to sort of find that sweet spot that you're talking about, which is find a company that's the right fit. So, Well,
2: it's all about striving to live a whole life and not a divided one. And if you're in a position where you're standing out, let's say, in an environment where you're standing out and you like the pats on the popo and you like being that person, for me, I would run the risk of becoming caught up in that role. And if I allow myself to get caught up in that type of pursuit, my life becomes divided. It's no longer And it's all about being in environments where I can strive to be who I am. I can strive to be a whole person. I like competition, but I've never understood how people compete with each other within an environment when you should be grouping up and driving together to compete out there. I worked in an environment where there was a circle of trust and honor that was created to where we worked together on a level that was so exhilarating. We were the best of the best in the industry. No one could compete with us. And the reason why is they didn't know how to create these circles of trust. They're too busy working against each other and we're trying to stand out. I don't know how you accomplish the best that you can actually do for a company if you're too busy trying to stand out all the time. That comes when you do the job and you do the best that you can do and you do what's right and you treat people fairly, you stand out in the way you're supposed to stand out.
1: Yeah. And I think most people, at least my experience, although I've been, as you know, working self employed now for almost 30 years, I think most people eventually ego kicks in, you know, and it's just, I don't know if it's, that's a natural thing, but there's just a sense of people want to stand out, people think that by pursuing their own interests, that somehow that's going to get them where they want to go, you know, work your way through people, use this person to that to get to this point. Well,
2: and there's some of that where that's good. I mean, as long as you maintain a balance and you maintain who you are, I mean, the greatest gift my parents gave me, it was a privilege to be able to, to be who I am. I think Joseph Campbell said something, the, the greatest privilege in life is to be able to live who you are. And when... There's nothing wrong with pushing to achieve a degree in something or to achieve. But again, it's keeping it in balance so that you don't get to a point where you become a person who's divided. There's too many people that I see around that I come in contact with who really live divided lives. They're not whole lives. And many of them don't even know they're living divided lives. And I don't know. I'd rather strive to be who I am.
1: So that brings me to a point, because I know invariably, I mean, this happens no matter, I think, whether you're working for yourself. I mean, this happens in life. Your situations are going to come up that are going to challenge your integrity. So Mm -hmm. would you mind maybe sharing a couple that come to mind just from the work environment, which would, to me, those are defining moments. Because once you've made the choice to go down a path, it sets a precedent for the next time something similar comes up.
2: Yeah. I mean, there are many, but a real defining moment... And I like being in environments where I am pushed, where my integrity is challenged. I like that because it gives me an opportunity to see, uncover more of who I am and where I stand. And I like being challenged in that way. And this New York-based firm that I worked for, that I originally worked for, left. Then I went back. They recruited me back. And they recruited me to LA, which is how I ended up in Los Angeles. And it was kind of a mess. I mean, there were problems in this office. I was warned by friends and colleagues in San Francisco not to go there, that it would ruin, it could potentially ruin me. I mean, it could be a career ruin. And I knew the administrator. I knew the firm, the, the, at least the folks in charge in the New York office. So I knew the environment enough to where I knew that I would be allowed to do what I needed to do to fix the areas that I was going to be responsible for. A week after I got there, in that week, I could assess the different departments I was responsible for and I knew what the problems were and I knew how to fix them. But I was asked, well, I wasn't asked, I was told after a week of being there, I was pulled into a meeting and I was told that I needed to cut heads In a couple of the departments, I needed to cut staff and I was against it because I knew what the issues were. and I knew I could work through them without having to cut any heads, but they still wanted me to do that. And I refused. Would it have been wrong, the wrong decision if I had gone ahead and done what the company wanted me to do? No, not necessarily, but it was for me. It was wrong for me because I knew personally that I could fix the problems and get it to where it needed to be. I just needed a little time. And I wanted, I requested three months and I would be able to fix it without having to cut. Not only that, when you're a new, you know, administrative person, a new manager, and then you start coming in and the first thing you do is cutting heads. I mean, who's going to trust me after that? So I threatened to leave unless I could do it the way I knew I needed to do it. Because there was a bigger picture there all the way around. It was going to be better for the office, for the employees, for morale. And it was just the right thing to do. They gave me the opportunity to do it. And I met the numbers within a month, not three months. And in some of the departments, we ended up having to hire employees, not cut. And so from that point forward, I wasn't really ever told what to do anymore. I was asked. What are my thoughts? What are my opinions? How would I solve this problem? And not even just in that office, but it's in some of the other offices as well. So, by standing my ground, it was the right thing for me to do. It was a, in a it was a firm that enabled that allowed me to do that. In the end, they allowed me
1: to do it. And you felt that you knew that going in. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's a firm that expects you walk in in that environment, and it's expected that you're there. It's assumed you're there because you're the best of the best. And it's assumed that you will give your best performance. I like that. I like striving to do the best that I can and live up to those expectations. And it's an environment where, yeah, they're going to give me opportunities to do what I think is right. But you don't fail. You have your ducks in a row and you make sure you don't fail.
1: Okay, so... Threatening to leave based on personal principle. Again, this to me is something, I don't know how often this actually happens. I think there's financial reasons. People get locked into needing an income. They're in a position where they don't have the ability necessarily to risk their career, their job from a financial perspective. But there's also other stuff too, isn't there?
2: See, I don't look at it that way. I was single. (laughs) At the time, I was single. I could have locked myself in. I didn't. I lived in a manner which enabled me to have options. I lived in a manner where I always was marketable. I always had a network of people. If I wanted to walk, I could walk because I could get a job, no problem. I mean, I had opportunities already out there. When you already know who you are, I knew where the line in the sand was for me. There's boundaries, and I wasn't going to go past them. So I've never lived my life in a manner where I was golden handcuffed into something. There's always options, in my opinion. Now, I could be wrong, and everybody's situation is different, and it's their own journey and their, their own choices. But for me, I didn't put myself in a position where I was ever going to have to do that. I remember my dad when I was growing up, um, I think I was in high school at the time, and he was always being recruited by the political party that he was affiliated with to run for Senator in the state. And he would always refuse. And I asked him why. And he goes, because I said, why wouldn't you want to do that? Wouldn't that be kind of cool, you know, to run for Senator? And he's like, nah. He goes, I feel like in order to do that well, I would have to compromise. I would have to make some concessions. And he goes, I'm just not willing to do it. So instead, he chose to support his community and work and build in other ways. And we make decisions in life as to what kind of life we want to live. And I never wanted to put myself in a position where I couldn't, I didn't have options or I couldn't, I wasn't in a position where I could adapt.
1: So there's an element of being detached from, I don't know if it's expectations or titles. What do you always say? Titles and tierras?
2: <laughs> well, someone else does. I borrowed that line, but yeah. I like it.
1: Yeah. But there is an element. Now, I know you've shared there's people, you you know, you'd run into from time to time who would, uh, and this maybe gets into the point where you left, um, the timing of when you left, but that would always, you know, come to you because you had established reputation with the firm and you get these people that would come in that were new, wanting to know how to climb the corporate ladder.
2: Yeah. I had been at this firm long enough to where I was known by the people you wanted to know who you were, that makes sense so I was known but I was known because I did my job and I did it well and because of that I would also be sought after to solve other problems that uh, you know other firms may have had or whatever so I wasn't trying to gain title or whatever. I was just doing my job. And when people would come to me and want to know how they could be noticed, how they could be seen, what would I suggest they do? My response was always the same. Do what you were hired to do and do it well. Do your job. I don't think there's anything wrong with pursuing titles. But when you get to a point where that becomes all that you want and you need that for yourself and it's all about you, those roles take over. And your life becomes divided at that point. And I would never want to risk that. It's just, it's all about striving to live a life of grace. And when you do things like that, you have jam-packed schedules, you operate, mock to with your hair on fire, you are striving for constantly these titles and trying to calculate what's your next move so that you can move up and get this amount of money. I think when you do that, you risk living a life divided. And I've just never wanted to do that.
1: Yeah, we've talked about that before, being involved in organizations, whether it's work or other things, where you're around people who are doing things exactly for the next rung of the ladder. And to look back on those kind of situations and think that you chose, just as you said, you know, I share this quote a lot, to do what's right, not what's expected. I think there's an element that, I don't know, maybe even I haven't put as much time into until, you know, I met you and learned that concept of thinking ahead and thinking of not necessarily what the legacy is, but what's the purpose? You know, what am I really doing? What's the end? What do I want to look back on and feel like I accomplished? You know, to I get to the top? I mean, it's like this business. I share with people all the time why we're small. You know, I've talked to guys all the time in this industry who, you know, like, you know, they're going a million miles an hour, They've got 20 reps under them, huge amounts of assets under management. I don't know that they're necessarily their profit margins any larger than a small firm, but the goal is this big footprint, you know, like a big footprint in assets versus just helping people, really helping people personally. And I don't know, it's just, it's, there's always a sacrifice, one thing or the other, at least to me. Does that make sense?
2: It does. I mean, I used to always admire... The new class of attorneys that would come into the firm, the ones that, and a lot of the the firms I worked for, a lot of these attorneys were recruited from, you know, the top 20 schools and law firms or law schools. And many of them took out student loans to achieve this, this degree. And the ones that I thought were always smart were the ones that took the bonuses and paid off their loans and lived in simple apartments and kept driving the beater car that they owned until they had all that squared away and got their training in and then many of them by the time they hit their third year would take off and go to other nonprofits or government positions or other positions that were would be a cut in pay but they could do it because they had a plan they had a desire and it was bigger than just pursuing a career they wanted to do something bigger with it and I know that when I made the decision, you know, to leave the firm, I had my own personal reasons for doing that. Mainly, it centered around family and our son. And people were surprised because I was at the top of my game, so to speak. And I had a lot of pats on the popo that came along with what I did. But what was important for me was to do what I was hired to do and to do it well and to do it to the best of my ability and to be fair and do what I felt was right. It wasn't about authority or how many departments I could have under my belt or any of that, which meant I could have left at any time because I wasn't attached to it. It wasn't who I am, it was something I was doing. I learned a ton of lessons out of wonderful experiences, met lots of people. All of that was part of the experience. It's not just about the different titles that I achieved or different, how many departments I managed all at the same time. None of that was important. What was important was doing what was just doing the job, doing what I was contracted to do, what I was paid to do and to do it well. And when it was time to leave, it was time to leave. There was no problem.
1: No, <laughs> no hesitation. Just, I remember that.
2: <laughs> no, it was just it was time to leave. I mean, you kind of think about I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say I didn't think about the income that I was going to be leaving. I didn't. And I, you know, when you've worked your whole life and all of a sudden you're, you're going to just pursue something totally different. You know, you think about it, but it was the right thing to do. And my, a lot of decisions. That's another thing, too. The decisions I've made throughout my life have literally ultimately boiled down to what felt right in my gut. There was a law firm that had recruited me for two years. And the agreement was that in this time, I was going to eventually work for them. Well, when it came time to make a move, I ended up going with a completely different firm and not them. And they were dumbfounded. They're like, you know, what happened? I'm like, you know what? It felt like it was right for me to go in this other direction. And they honored that. But a lot of people don't do that. It's no. a little more planned out and methodical. And I like, having, I like having plans, but I also like changing them. And I like shifting gears in the moment if, if it's the right thing to do. So
1: Some would call that taking risks. But when you just trust your, like you said, when you're not attached to things and let go of old ideas or, or preconceived ideas or, I guess, expectations, then you're really free to trust that. You know, trust, like you said, trust your gut. And I think that's, at least in this work, for me, served me really well, particularly in the last couple of years. Some would say, well, you know, you're going against the grain, you're challenging conventional wisdom. But on the other hand, not only is it exciting, but it feels right. And I think that's kind of what life is about. I think sometimes in this work, we run into people who have a hard time letting go of moving on to the next chapter. And it's because part of it is, you know, works and identity, uh, which is gets to that imbalance that you're talking about. And so I guess maybe as we kind of wrap it up, I think it'd be if you were to offer thoughts on, you know, what do you say to people that are currently building a career in the corporate world or looking to enter the corporate world? I mean, somebody who's been through that successfully and, and moved on from it successfully, what would you say?
2: Well, there's a Richard Feynman quote that I've always liked. And he says, it's not about what you want to be. It's about what you want to do. And I think there's some real wisdom in that. I just do what you want to do. It's not about becoming something. It's not about becoming, grabbing a title and grabbing this or grabbing that. If that degree or if those degrees or if those certifications and licensing or whatever it is you want to do is going to lead you to living that life, that's all you. Great, but if it's only about driving to have a title because you want whatever income comes with it or whatever that is, it's so narrow. I just think that I would rethink it if that's what they're doing because nothing. Like Joseph Campbell said, the greatest privilege in life is to be able to live is to be who you are. And if you keep that in mind, I think people will be quite happy.
1: So I had a thought and I just lost it. But it reminds me of that book, Excellent Sheep, that I read a number of years ago. And it was basically the short of it was it was about college students and living their whole lives, their parents guiding them usually, right? The tiger moms and all that. And building a resume from the time they're like, you know, out of the womb. <laughs> and building this resume so they can get into the Yale and or one of these high level ivy league schools build the, you know the chosen career there's a consultant financial medical there's like the five things legal um and then going through all this and some of them getting into the college and then accumulating tons of debt and realizing that this isn't who they are right they don't want to do this it was never an interest um or the other extreme and this was the irony the part of it that really i think spoke to me was all this work and commitment to building this perfect resume only to To have it get in front of somebody who looks glances at it for ten seconds, and it looks just like everybody else's, and it goes into the discard pile, and that's eighteen years worth of this commitment to something, this this ideal that wasn't even necessarily necessarily the right fit, and it's dismissed. You know, there's something just ironic about that. And so I've know I've told said this to people a lot. I've experienced it myself, and it sounds like you have. But is it is it a fair statement to say that when you really pursue like you said, what you want to do, your heart of hearts, that the money will come. I mean, is that a tie back to finances? I mean, is that that's a fair statement.
2: Yeah, I think that it does. I mean, I've lived my life that way. I didn't make decisions based on amount of money. I made it based on what I wanted to do and the environment I wanted to be in. And the money came. And keeping yourself marketable to where you have options enables you to continue on that course, you know, as far as being able to, and it's also understanding what kind of life you want to live. I mean, you've got the younger generations coming up who seem to really get it. And from what I've observed, I mean, you know, not all of them are pursuing, even buying a house, you know, you've got them living in vans and traveling around the world. And, you know, they're doing all they're working from home. I I met this young woman who worked for a foundation in, in Kansas City, and she called herself Geoflex. She's geo-flexible. I'm like, well, what is that? And she goes, well, I'm geo- I'm geographically um, flexible. And I'm like, is that another term for homeless? <laughs> and she said, <laughs> essentially, because what she did for work at that point was she was traveling to all these different cities. And then in between, she would ha- house sit for various friends of hers all over the world. And she didn't have a home. She had a mail. Her mail went to her parents' place. And and then she lived kind of all over the place and had some really great experiences. And she was getting to a point where she had done that for a few years. And now she's looking at deciding where she wants to live, having had all these different experiences all over the place.
1: My observation has been, particularly with you know people I work with, that flexibility of schedule, that balance is becoming more of a, an employee benefit, I suppose you could say. Yeah. You know, flexible hours, lifestyle the ability to to not necessarily be locked into a nine to five, but have flexibility to give attention to other areas as well. And like even Nick and Kelsey here that, you know, I did the interview with, they're young, I think wise beyond their years, but Nick's got a commitment to how many training clients he's going to have because he wants the free time. He wants the time with his wife. And, um, you know, that's, I think an encouraging because that's to what you're speaking about. And I think that's something, as you said, that's, that at least, from my experience is coming up with younger people. That's not something that I think you and I, or at least me anyway, I that never occurred to me. You know, I was kind of more raised more traditionally, you know, you're out of the house. Well, to it's 18, always about the practical. Right. You know, yeah.
2: pursue a practical. I even hear some of my friends we talk about their children, you know, going to college and, you know, they're they're choosing these degrees in these paths that they they're not sure are practical. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well They are actually. In fact, one of my friends, she brought a particular area and she goes, well, the jobs are really limited there. And I said, not if you look at the transferable skills, not if you look at this, not if you look at all the things that are shifting and changing around the world. I said, it's a great career path, a great area to pursue because there's so many options within it. And so it's really about that. I mean, and that's the fun part anyway. When I was growing up, my parents never focused on grades. My grades are good. I had good grades, decent grades growing up. But my parents never focused on that. All my other friends were getting money if they got with how many A's they would get. But my parents always made us focus on the homework, getting the work done. Because if you get the work done,
1: the results will come,
2: the results will come. So I grew up with the idea of just focusing on the journey, focusing on the, uh, the time that you put in and I have found that that is a great and wise teaching because I have enjoyed every part of my journey and the decisions I've made and the places I've worked and the people I've met. I've met great people and worked with great people and people who pushed me to be, who saw things in me sometimes that I never even knew was there and pushed me to be the best that I could be in that particular arena. And um, I was respected and It was never important for me. That's another thing too. Since I was in kind of oversight and management types of positions, mostly around operational areas, I knew very well I needed to be in environments where I was allowed to be creative. I was allowed to risk. The New York based firm that I worked for, I took tons of risks. I did things that no one else was doing in the industry, created departments no one else was doing. And I could do that because they allowed me to do that. I knew I couldn't fail. But to be in an environment where I could really push was important to me. Many environments, particularly in those kinds of positions, just want you to manage people. Status quo. Yeah. And I knew that wasn't going to work for me because yeah. I trained departments to manage as self-managed as they could.
1: Well, That's a good place to end. For anybody who's listening that knows me, knows now you see why I'm always saying that uh, Darcy's the brains of the operation. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, Darcy, thank you for joining me on Upthinking Finance.
0: Pleasure. Emerson Fersh is a registered representative with and securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC advisor services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from Capital Investment Advisors. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. The guest speakers and the companies they represent are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial or Capital Investment Advisors. Individual tax and legal matters should be discussed with your tax or legal expert. Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted and there can be no guarantee that strategies promoted will be successful. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. There is no assurance that the techniques and strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. The purchase of certain securities may be required to affect some of the strategies. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal.